Sorry, got a little caught up there. I love that song. I don't know about you, but every time, I think that's going to be a classic, like generations from now. There's some songs from like the 40s and 50s we still listen to. That's going to be one of those like 30, 40, 50 years from now. People will be still singing that song, having some fun with it. I love to be able to be happy. Do y'all like being happy? Yes, I think we all like being happy. I like being happy so much. I am so happy I get to spend my Sunday morning with y'all hanging out. I'm so happy that I have this mic as a Duke fan that I must take exactly at least a minute to say, Boo, Kentucky! Go Duke! Woo! I'll just be able to say that. I got that out of the way. Can you delete that, by the way? Off the... <laughs> uh, so... Just want to let you know I'm super happy to see each and every one of y'all in here this morning. All the smiling faces. It was great. I was happy when I walked in the door and I could smell those sweet-smelling rolls. Pardon me, I got called it. It, it. Those are awesome. Those things make me happy. There's so much to make me happy. I'm so happy I got to drink a Red Bull a little while ago, and I've got, like, extra energy. So if I start to do this kind of stuff, just go with me. My knee was hurting early, but I drank some Red Bull. I'm happy to go now. All right, so I really like being happy so much so that one of the things I really love to do is do this, like, woo thing. So with that said, on three, I'm going to need y'all to give me the biggest woo that you got because I just want to be happy about it. One, two, three. All right, it sounds like we're a happy crowd today, and I'm super excited. I cannot talk about being happy without celebrating birthdays. Who's got a birthday in July in here? We have a few. July birthdays, would you please stand with me? My birthday is also in July, and we're going to give everybody an opportunity to say happy things to you. Are you all ready? We're going to sing happy birthday. Let me go ahead and tell you, I'm going to sing twice today. Some of you are like, oh, that's going to make me happy. Some of you are going to be like, oh, God, help my ears. It's okay. The first one's going to be really bad singing on purpose because I like doing that. And I've got one of my students over here and I always celebrate their birthday. We didn't get to meet this week because we had an awesome family camp. Who loved family camp? Woo! We had that and I didn't get to say happy birthday coming up. And this week's July 4th, so we're not having our link this week. Also, plug, if you are not connected with our student ministry and you're a student, come join us. It will make you happy. All right. We're going to sing happy birthday on three. It's going to be really bad singing on my part. You've got to make up with it with your best. Are you ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, July babies. Happy birthday to you. Woo! All right. Good stuff. We got one more happy thing. Who's happy in here this morning? Raise your hand. Oh, look at that, all them happy faces. Awesome. So what we're going to do as happy, we, we've got to get into motions. So if you're able to, stand up with me if you're feeling happy this morning. Go ahead. Stand up. Get loosened up here. All right, you know what's about to happen. Some of you is like, I know where he's going with this. He said he was singing twice. This is number two. This is going to be if you're happy and you know it. Are you all ready? All right. It's gonna, we're only going to go two levels. We're going to do the clap the hands. We're going to do the stomp, include the smile. Are you all ready? If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. All right, y'all can be seated. That was good stuff. Good job, good job. We've been doing a series called Asking for a Friend. 
And I've had this question asked by friends before, and it's this question up here on the screen that you're going to see. The question is this. God wants everybody happy, right? Oh, not happy about that one. God is your fault. Okay. God wants everybody happy. Yes and no. Here's what we're going to dig into. We're going to open up Scripture, and we're going to kind of look at a big overview of what God has to say about us being happy, and is there something a little more God would prefer for us. First of all, I want to say this with all my heart. At no point in time during the service so far as God goes, I want to crush them, they seem happy. <laughs> that does not happen. The other day when I was in Walmart and I walked and out of the corner of my eye, I saw chocolate peanut butter pebbles. Please do not go to Walmart and take what's left because I need to make a return visit before you do. <laughs> when I saw that and I paused and I was like, oh, Megan, which was my daughter, and I was like, look. And, like, I got all this stuff, and I'm pointing like that. And I'm like, we've got to get that. And I was happy. And I was like, Megan, I know your hands are full, too, but, honey, I need you to get that box that's, like, under all these other cereal boxes. And she goes, Daddy, those are all going to fall. I'm like, I don't think they will. We're going to work it like a Jenga board. We're going to pull that thing out. I said, Daddy needs that because that was going to make Daddy what? It's going to make me happy. So she proceeds to get it out. Well, I'm a little nervous, too, because I don't want the embarrassment of it all falling. She'll never do nothing for me again. So, but she pulls it out, and she succeeds. I'm like, I'm happy. I couldn't wait to eat that cereal that night. Yes, I ate it for supper that evening. It was so good. At no point did God say, I do not want that for you. Aha, crush. He didn't crush my cereal box or anything. He is not offended by our happy. But we need to understand when it comes to being happy, there's a time and there's a place for being happy. How do I know that? Well, we're going to open up and look at our first scripture to find that out. Everybody, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. If you want to write it down, notate it, go back and look later, you can. Uh, I always encourage notes. I think they're very important. There'll be some places I'll stop along the way to kind of dig into a specific area a little bit as we go. But this is going to be really simple right here. The question, once again, God wants everybody happy, Right? Well, we know that he didn't get offended by our happy. He didn't get like mad that this morning we were singing happy and you know it. That's not how God is. But let's see what goes on, what God wants us to get a fuller picture of. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. It's this simple. There is a, everybody say it with me, time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Paul's right there. Who in here in the past week has been really sad at some point? Who in this room has been really mad at some point? Who in this room has been really happy at some point? So, within this room, many of you, including myself, raised your hands for happy, mad, and sad. Because the Bible's true when it says something like this. There is a time and there is a place for everything, every activity. Some activities and things will make us happy. Some things will make us sad. Some things will make us mad. Let's go through the list of, of things we find here in Scripture. There's a time to be born. Happy for a lot of people. A time to die. Sad for a lot of people. A time to plant. And a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. 
a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to throw away and a time to tear, a time to mend and a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. Throughout that list, we can go through and we can say, that would make me happy, that would make me sad. Planting would make me sad. I don't like to get out there and plant, but I like to uproot a watermelon because that makes me happy. There's times in life that we mourn. There's times in life that we laugh. There's times that we dance and we have fun. There's times that war is taking place. So, we can ask that question again. God wants everybody happy, right? The initial answer is, yes, God wants us happy. But should that be what we chase after? Should that be the only thing that matters? See, the problem is when we get to this idea God wants everybody happy, right? We can start getting some mixed signals. And the gospel is really clear on that. As a matter of fact, a guy named Paul who went through a whole lot of difficulties. Paul never said, I hope you have really happy times in your life. It's not anywhere in Scripture, in his writing. But we need to understand... Paul wasn't upset if people were happy. God isn't upset if people were happy. But the realization is that we shouldn't be chasing happy. Because what I want you to understand, happiness, if your life is rooted in happiness, it will rot. Because guess what's going to happen when my cocoa peanut butter pebbles at one point in time? I go in there and I discover that my daughter's eating most of the box. Three kernels. Happy dad turns to... Bad dad. And then sad dad because I'm weeping that I can't enjoy my cereal. Did God change during that period of time? No. There was just different periods of time that took place, that took me through different emotions. Here's what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 5. Because in our culture, our culture continually tells us to chase after happiness. Matter of fact, the song that we first started off with, I'm so happy. Like, There's one little flaw in that whole song that always just kind of makes me just kind of tighten it up. And it's these words. Happiness is the truth. That's telling you that unless you're happy, then something's missing. But we all admit that sometimes we go through sadness, sometimes we go through anger. Does that mean that God's missing? Let's read these. 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 5. For the what? Time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Doctrine is a belief system, the thing that you connect with God and yourself and what you you put your faith in. Instead, to suit their own desires, or I guess you could interpret this to suit their own way to be happy, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear or what would make them happy. They'll turn their ears away from the what? Truth. And turn aside to myth. I was kind of interested when I, I kind of looked through this through a commentary. It said that turning aside word, the, the, the actual kind of meaning and the picture that Paul wants you to get of that turning aside to myth is kind of a dislocation. Like you've got to purposely yank something out of place to put it into a different place. And how many of you have ever like dislocated something? Did that make you happy? No. So Paul wants you to understand, you can get caught up in this idea that you can dislocate from where God wants you to be. Not that he's offended by your happy, but you can dislocate it into a different place. 
And then you, it's going to finally give you the happiness you're searching for. And here's the challenge. I think we, as a, not Freedom Fellowship, but as the church as a whole, currently have a problem. That we're chasing happiness. We've got, got people who say they're gospel preachers, and, and they teach that if you're not happy, you must not be connected with God. I actually have a, a guy who was briefly in my student ministry, and he's gone through cancer and a whole lot of difficult times. He's, he's confined to a wheelchair. He's a young man. And, and just this past week, somebody told him he was in that wheelchair because he didn't have enough faith in Jesus. What? That is a false gospel. That is not the truth of the gospel. That is someone who has been dislocated and a crippled Christian. It wasn't the, the, the kid or the guy on the chair that was crippled. It was that person who said that because their heart was disjointed to believe that they had, someone had to, to be happy or that they weren't connected with Jesus if, if their circumstances weren't right. So, so we continue and we look at that. They turn aside to, to myths. We have a whole culture of myths. I love our country. I love its freedom that we've been given. It is an awesome blessing, and we should never discount it. The challenge is that sometimes we take parts of our history, and we kind of plug them into what God says, and we try to make them one big thing, and that don't necessarily work out. For instance, in Independence, which we're about to celebrate this week, fireworks going off, barbecues, all that good stuff. It tells us in the Declaration of Independence, we've been given these inalienable rights by God for life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Happiness. That is a great thing to have for your country. That is not necessarily a kingdom thing, God's kingdom. Because sometimes you can pursue happiness, and it can be very destructive. Here's what we need to continue to look at. So we have a culture of happy. As a matter of fact, our whole calendar almost is surrounded by happy. Let me take you through the calendar, calendar real quick. We start off the first of the year by saying happy what? New Year. We move ourselves on into February around the 14th. We say happy Valentine's Day. We move into March, April, and then we celebrate the risen Savior, and we often say happy Easter. Then at some point in time, some of y'all might have a birthday, and you might say happy what? birthday. Then we roll on into May, and then we have moms that we celebrate. So we say happy what? Mother's Day. Then all of a sudden we say happy Father's Day. Then we get into July, and we say happy 4th of July. Then we roll out of there, and we roll into August. I don't know what's going on August, so we'll skip over that. I think September's Happy Grandparents Day, so happy what? Grandparents Day. So we have this whole calendar, then we roll into Halloween, and we say happy what? Halloween. Then we go into Thanksgiving. We say happy what? Thanksgiving. And then we roll to Christmas. We say Mary there typically. And then we roll back into the happies again. Do you see where our culture is? It's a lot about happy, right? We hear people all the time saying, you got to do what makes you what? Happy. Now, this is where it always gets kind of difficult for me to understand that. There's a lot of things that will make me happy that won't make you happy. Like, for instance, if I roll in there and like, everybody, we're having... Peanut butter milkshakes tonight. <laughs> Some people went, yeah. Somebody with peanut butter allergies went, oh, God, I'm going to die tonight. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference in the feeling. Here's what I want you to first understand. We're going to look at two specific things. God wants everybody happy, right? That's the question. The first thing I want you to know is this. God wants everybody happy, right? No. Not if it's rooted in sin. 
not if it's rooted in sin. God's number one goal for you is not happiness. Does it get mad because we're happy, though? No. It says this in 1 Peter 1.15. But just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all that you what? Do. God's number one goal isn't for you to be happy. It's for you to be what? Holy. To be like him. To be set apart. To be sanctified for his purposes. He has sanctified purposes. I don't know you, but you, but I would like to have happiness that doesn't have regrets behind it. Anybody with me? Yes. I want to be able to enjoy the pleasures God intends for me in the time that he intends for me to have them. Because guess what? I don't have regrets in those times. But when I get rooting myself in sin as the thing that gets me happy, it always rots and leaves me spiritually in a point of feeling death. See, God delights in our being happy in some ways. And here's what I want you to understand as we look at a couple of other verses about like sin, not, God not wanting us to be happy because of sin, is this. My daughter, do I want to make her happy? Yes, absolutely. I do all I can to try to make my daughter happy. Always have. Like, I give up fun stuff I want to do to make her happy sometimes. But here's what I will never do for my daughter. If my daughter says, Dad, can you give me a gun so I can go out in the front yard and just shoot at cars that go by? That would make me really happy. Is there a reason I wouldn't do that? Do I care about her happiness at this point in time? No. A, I don't want her to go to jail. B, I don't want somebody else getting hurt because my daughter would be happy shooting a gun out cars going by. We've got to understand. Now, will I do most anything to make my daughter happy? Yes. But am I going to allow her to do something that's harmful to her and others? No. And that's the reason why we can't allow, we can't have ourselves understand God just wants me happy, so he'll let me do anything. He won't let you do it if it's rooted in sin and be okay with it. Hebrews eleven twenty four through 25, by faith Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy, everybody say enjoy, enjoy the fleeting pleasures of a thing called what? Sin. Here's what sin is. Sin's like this. Sin has a great ad campaign. Great, perfect ad campaign. Come enjoy it. It will be the greatest time of your life. You will enjoy it without hesitation, blah, blah, blah. Sin, great ad campaign. The problem is the manufacturing fails. It rots. Matter of fact, we know that. We can look at something like Proverbs 14, 12 and see how bad it rots. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it is the way of death. A way that seems right. See, a lot of things that will make us happy, they seem right, they seem okay. Let's just do them. It will feel really good. Nobody should oppose me. I'm happy, right? But the problem is that that's going to lead to death. And I want you to understand, when I talk about death, it is ultimately death, like physical death. But I want you to understand, when the gospel talks about sin and death, it's not just talking about physical death. There's a whole lot of other bases that are covered. I wrote down some of them. It can be relational death. If I decide that I'm going to go cheat on my wife, and have a relationship with another woman, guess what's going to happen to my relationship with my wife? You can call it what? Dead. It's probably going to affect the relationship with my daughter, right? It may not kill it completely, but it can get pretty close, right? Exactly. Same thing can kind of go throughout. 
I, I can kill relationships. I can kill my testimony. If, I, if somebody found out tomorrow that I did something with another woman and I get up on the stage, is anybody going to hear me preach that day? Nope. Testimony dead at that point in time. Now, I want you to understand, can God restore all of these things? Absolutely. But for a while, are they dead? Yes. And there's an example of this in Scripture that, that we're probably pretty familiar with. If you've read the Bible in Luke chapter 15, it's the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son is a guy that lived something more than happy, didn't recognize it, so he decided to go chase this thing called happy. Let's run through these real quick. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the state. First of all, Paul's here. You probably know this. If you don't, I want to kind of catch you up on what Scripture means here. Basically, he went to his dad said, Hey, can I have my money that you're supposed to give me when you die? Basically, I wish you were dead, but since you're not, can you hook me up with some cash flow? Most of you in here, if you're parents, would be like, That ain't happening. But here's the strange and unusual thing about this father. The father gives him this. And this is going to tie in at the end of the, the, the talk. But here, he, he gives his son this. The son's missing what he's got at home because he wants to go chase happy. And he's going to go root that happiness in sin. And that sin's going to eventually rot. Let's keep reading the story. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had set off for a distant country. And there, squandered his wealth in wild living, or sinful living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. And he began to be in what? Need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who, himself, excuse me, who sent him to feed the fields, the fields uh, to pigs. Sorry. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods of the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Here I am starving to what? Death. He chased happy. He ended up with a feeling of what? Death. Had he hurt the relationship with his father in some sense? Had he hurt the relationship with his brother in some sense? Yes. Had he probably hurt the relationship to the respect of the servants that his father had working for him? Probably in some sense. Here's a whole list. Because he wanted to go chase after this thing called happy. And once again, I said a moment ago, sin has a great advertising campaign. He probably maybe saw ads about the community in which he was going to go squander his wealth and how awesome it was. But then after the end and the manufacturing part got done, he realized it wasn't what it was cracked up to be. And he all of a sudden wished he could go just eat and be a servant at his father's house. He had something special. He left to go chase happy. So does God want everybody happy? Yes and no. Some of you might say, well, I don't live in blatant sin. That really isn't for me at all. Well, maybe. James 4.17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a, what, three-letter word? Sin for them. So do you have to live blatantly in sin like, Daddy, I wish you was dead. Give me my money. I'm going to the other country, and I'm going to live wild. Does that, do you have to do that? Nope. You can, simply, ooh, you can simply see someone who has a deep need in their life. And your having to address that need is not going to make you happy at some point in time. 
That means you might have to get out of your car on a hot day to help somebody out. It may mean that you see somebody struggling to go through life and they're in a deep depression and you know in your heart you're going to have to spend three stinking hours of your life that aren't going to make you happy to hear their story. At that point in time, it would make you happy to just avoid that. But guess what? If you just avoid that and God's calling you to deal with it, you're just as bad as that prodigal son because you know the good you ought to do and you choose not to do it and therefore it is a three-letter word called sin. So... We need to understand happiness rooted in the sin of ignoring others, happiness in the sin of I'm going to do whatever I want because it makes me happy. Both things are rooted in something that ultimately is going to rot and be dead. And some of you might be like, hey, what about the grace of God, Dwayne? The grace of God allows me to pretty much go sin, right? And I can just get it cleaned over. Here's one of my biggest challenges with Christianity at times. I believe the grace of God outruns every single sin we can commit. Here's the problem. I think grace has become like the same thing back in my old school days growing up in the church. There was this get out of hell free card. Come to Jesus. Here you go. You out of hell. Congratulations. You get to go to heaven, and we'll see you later. Because that's what happened in my church. I came to know Christ, and then I didn't get any discipleship to take place, and I was just wandering around not knowing what to do. Because somebody gave me a free get out of hell card. I think the same thing happens with the grace card sometimes. I tell you, I'm going to go live wild tonight and get straight up drunk out my mind. And then I'm going to go to church in the morning because God's grace is good. People, here's my challenge to you. Why don't we start saying, okay, I believe in God's grace, and I believe it covers every single sin I commit, but I want you to know there's something else on God's grace. God's grace is enough to help you say no to sin. But we don't ever use it. God's grace is enough to cover every sin, and it is enough to help us say no to every sin. Man, what a testimony it would be that we would quit saying, God's grace covered all I did last night at that party. Why don't we be able to say, I didn't go to that party last night because God's grace told me I need to spend some time in prayer and in his word, and guess what? I got no regrets today, and I'm so happy. Why don't, why don't we do that? If we could just learn to do it. Because here's what Paul says also in Romans 6, 1 through 2. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? I love exclamation marks in the Bible. Because here's what Paul says. By no means. Man, quit doing that. Sorry. Another unhappy moment. (laughs) All right. So we've got that understanding. God wants everybody happy, right? Not if it's rooted in what? Sin. Number two, God doesn't want everybody happy if it's rooted in circumstances. Oh, this is something real to me right now in my life. Let's just open up with a scripture and look at it. Ecclesiastes 7.14. When times are good, be what? Is God offended with our happiness? No. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made... The ones as well as the other. God has made the one as well as the other. Did God create happiness? Did he allow bad things? Is he in control of both? Man, that's something to get rooted in. Because the happiness based off sin will rot. And happiness based off your circumstances will rot. But God will never rot. God is always good. 
going back to the doctrine idea, if you've got a belief that you're supposed to be happy all the time, then your doctrine is going to fail because you're going to think God's nothing but a servant. Even worse, if he doesn't come through for you and make you happy, then God must have failed. But if we can understand that he allows the happy and the sad and the mad, and he's in control of it all and he's still good and he loves us, and we can be rooted in that, that can change our lives. That can change our perspective. That can change you when you're crying over a mother who forgot you because she has Alzheimer's. God is still good, and it is a good doctrine to have to know that God will never let us down as long as we're connected to what his word and his truth is. The only way God's ever let you down, listen to me, I feel like I need to say this, the only way God has ever let you down or ever will let you down is if you based your view of God off of something other than his word. Then don't be mad at God when that happens. Say, God, where did I get off of what your word says that I feel like you failed me because God will never fail? As a matter of fact, his word says he is for us. If you're a child of God, he is for you in the good times and the bad times and the sad times and the happy times and the deepest tears and breaking of your heart times. Philippians 4, 12 through 13, Paul says this. He's chained up and he is awaiting a sentence of death. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty and I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want I can do all things through him who gives me strength I can have hunger but Jesus is still there I can be at a buffet table and Jesus is still there I can be in want and have Stuff that I need, feel like I need but I don't have, and Jesus is still there. I can have everything covered in all the bases, and Jesus is still there. The root of our happiness is not sin, it is not circumstances, it is Jesus. He is the root. Matter of fact, Jesus says these words in John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in what? Me you may have peace. In this world, you will have what? Trouble. But take heart, like the exclamation marks again. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus didn't go to a cross and die on that cross. And we see Jesus facing that trouble, and it says he sweated like drops of blood. And he said to the Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. And the Father didn't let that cup pass. Do you think Jesus was all happy at that point in time and skipped his way to the cross? No, but guess what? He understood what he was doing and what he was going through, that the happy days hanging out with the disciples had passed, and there was a time to go through suffering, hurt, and pain, but God the Father was still worthy to be trusted through it all. So God wants everybody happy, right? Yes and no. No because he doesn't want it rooted in sin. No because he doesn't want it rooted in circumstances. And I just shared that about my mom. She was the one that's been diagnosed with dementia and Alzheimer's and stuff. It's been, we've started kind of the process finally with the doctor this past Friday. And it's been very hard. And nothing's ever broke my heart so bad to be sitting with my mom for hours and her not even know who I was. And to say, you're a really good man. I appreciate you coming over and hanging out with me tonight. And I'm like, I just let it keep going. And you could tell she didn't know who I was. 
until I said, Mom, I'm your son. And that night I, I left her with my aunt over at my aunt's house where they have a caretaker because my dad was in the hospital during that point of time, and it was a few weeks ago. And I just went and I wept in that truck, wept. And it broke my heart. And I wasn't happy at all. Actually, there were a few yelling moments of hitting the steering wheel and like, why, God, why? And in the middle of it all, quietly, it, it kind of came to my mind. You're not happy in this moment, Dwayne. It's not a happy moment. Sin exists. And sin is wrecking this world. But I want you to understand something, Dwayne. One day, it's all going to be made right. And that's what I want you to understand. God is not offended or he is not mad by you being happy. There's something more. The truth is, and your last point here is, God doesn't want us to settle for being happy, but for us to be rooted in the greater and unchanging truth, we are blessed. Blessed don't change. I'm a child of God, and my mom's a child of God, and one day, I may not be happy with the circumstances of this earth, but one day the Bible promises it's all going to be made right. And I know this, I may not feel happy now, but I'm blessed now because I can hold on to that hope. And whatever you're going through, you can hold on to the hope that is in Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. And Jesus never promised that you'll always be happy. He did promise that you can take heart because he's already gone through it and he is walking with you through whatever it is you're going through. Be rooted in something better, the truth that you're blessed. The prodigal son, going back to that story, he didn't even know he was blessed sitting at home. And a good father let him run off to do his own thing. But the father continued to wait on the son until the son got to a point where he realized happiness had rotted and all that he had hoped it would be was dead. And then he went home to the father, and the father embraces him, throws a robe on him, does all these amazing things, kills the fatted calf, they have a party, and the son knows he doesn't deserve any of this because he was chasing happy. But the father wanted him to know, you don't have to chase happy no more, son. Now you understand when you left this house you were blessed, and now you understand that you're back how really blessed you are. That's what we need to grip hold of. Because we have a good father, James 1.17, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Man, we could go through all these blessed scriptures. Psalms 112.1, it says, Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his what? Commands. Psalms 37.4, The delight of the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart, or make happy your heart. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We're celebrating the 4th of July. We'll be given these inalienable rights for the pursuit of happiness. And God's word says, don't pursue happiness, pursue me. Let my commands be the desire of your heart. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Do I mind you being happy in America? Does God mind that? No. But does he want us to be rooted in something more? Because I live in the most awesome free country in the world, but sometimes I'm really sad and really mad. But I'm rooted in a blessing that I'm part of a bigger eternal kingdom. I won't go through it all, but you can do it on your own time. Go through Matthew 5, 3 through 12 at some point in time. The whole thing's about these really sad moments that continually say, but you're blessed. 
You're mourning, but you're blessed. You're poor, but you're blessed because it's rooted in something bigger. Everybody bow their heads, close their eyes, and let's pray. I just want to challenge you with your eyes closed and all that to check your own heart. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, there'll be a group of people down here to your right-hand side where you're sitting, and they'll be glad to talk to you about what it means to have a relationship. I would love to talk to you about what it means to have a relationship with Christ. That no matter what difficulties may come that don't make you happy, you can still be rooted in Jesus who died on a cross for your sins to wash them all away that you can be made right with God. And his amazing grace. So I just want to challenge you right now. I'm going to ask you this is a little bit different than we might normally do. But if you don't have a relationship with Christ and you know that you need that relationship with him, would you just raise your hand if you don't have that relationship? Awesome. If there's someone in here who's been struggling with, I, I'm not really happy in this life, and I realize today I need, it's because I'm not connecting with Jesus. Would you raise your hand? Dear God and Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that your spirit will continue to move as even as we close t- this morning. Lord, we love you for your word. We love you that you love us so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.